welcome to the Sports Row podcast. I'm Millie. I'm Katie. And I'm Eleanor. And today on this special new era edition of the pod, we're talking about taking risks. This will mean different things to different people, but for women, this means something entirely different than it does to men. Even just walking into a male-dominated office can feel like a risk. And in the sports industry, that's not an uncommon occurrence. To explore this topic, we've each been out and spoken to women at different stages of their career from across the new era community about the risks that they've taken and what can be learned from that experience. Before we hear from them, I'd be interested to talk to my fellow panellists, Katie and Eleanor. What does risk mean to you? So yeah, it's an interesting one because risk obviously means different things to different people in terms of if they're risk adverse or if they really are terrified of making a small decision. So for me, it just really means exposing yourself to a situation of uncertainty, not really being sure of the outcome or how your action will be perceived. Um, for me, it's essentially the possibility of something bad happening, but it's also something that would have considerable thought and consideration behind it and something that I would be passionate about and willing to take the chance on regardless. On a similar note to what Katie said, I think the same kind of words match my feelings to what a risk is. I think it's when you feel that you're putting everything on the line, at least that's how it feels at that moment in time, because Oftentimes we all reflect back on a time where we felt we've taken a risk and it's probably the best thing we've ever done for ourselves. I always try to view a risk in a very constructive and positive way because if you're anxious about something, if you're nervous, it's probably because you want to do something purposeful. So as Katie said, it's a meaningful decision. But again, there is stress and the fear of exposing yourself or not doing something right. So I 100% agree with all those things Katie said. What about you, Millie? What does risk mean to you? I, I touch on this in my conversation, but I would say risk always comes with reward and it's kind of jumping into the unknown because of the chance for something great to come out of it. So, Millie, actually, you spoke to Katie Bryan, who is a senior event manager over at Keith Prowse. What were your takeaways from that conversation? It was great talking to Katie. We spoke a lot about a specific risk that she took a few years ago, which was around leaving a large establishment, a safe option that was a kind of guaranteed road to success for her for a more rare and less traditional opportunity that had the chance of greater reward. So we spoke a lot around that and it was lovely speaking to her. Even at the end of the conversation, she said that she was going to turn down this opportunity because she hadn't done a podcast before and it, she didn't know what she was going to say, but she took the risk, she went for it and I think you'll really enjoy listening to her. I started by asking Katie what risk meant to her. I think for me, risk is stepping out of your comfort zone and doing something that brings a bit of uncertainty and a bit of the unknown. I think I, I believe risk should be a little scary, but also a little bit exciting. Kind of risk level is, is personal to, to people, so it's, it's different for everyone. People that regularly go skydiving might not have the same risk as someone who's never done it before, but I think that's the same in professional life as well. If you've done something once, the risk of that goes down. The risk that you feel when doing it goes down, and it's something that should intrigue you with something you should want to do but also could be a little bit terrifying and the unknown is kind of the big risk yeah I agree what would you consider the biggest career risk that you've taken to date I left full-time employment at Wimbledon 
fairly well-known sporting environment to do a short-term contract role up at the Commonwealth Games. So for me, the big risk was the unknown of not knowing what was going to happen after the eight months of that contract and leaving quite a prestigious sporting venue to go and do something that had an end date and that I didn't didn't know what was then going to happen after and how that was going to affect my career. I know that particularly when I first started at the Commonwealth Games, a lot of people, when they asked me what the role that I just come from, a lot of people went, you left Wimbledon to come and do a short-term contract. And they're kind of having to having to explain sort of my reasons behind doing it was quite actually quite a lot because obviously for me it was quite a big step it's something that I'd never really done before and it was yeah leaving that kind of full-time sort of safe almost employment to go and do something and completely relocate as well so I live in London and had to completely relocate for for eight months up to Birmingham which again for some might not seem that far but for me it was completely new and completely different. And what were your reasons for doing it why did you take the jump? It was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I didn't think there was going to be the opportunity to do something like that within the UK for quite some time, particularly that big international multi-sport project and working with people that had done that kind of thing before and being able to learn something and have to learn it so quickly as well. So you're in there, as I said, for three months, so you have to pick up things really quickly and kind of just run straight into it. You didn't have kind of the... Um, the luxury of having a full year to plan and being able to then sort of trial and error things and change things and, and tweak bits if you wanted because it was there and then that it was happening. It was something that I had in the back of my mind that I wanted to do but hadn't really looked at opportunity to do it and when the opportunity came up I knew that if I didn't at least try for it it would be kind of always in the back of my mind. How did you approach it then? I'm a list person. So I, I made a pros cons list <laughs> and kind of looked at the benefits and the advantages to taking it and what would be the potential fallbacks if I did. And I also I talked to other people whose kind of opinion I admired and who I could talk with openly and knew they'd give me balanced feedback and balanced opinion as well. And then kind of the last thing I did was look at well, was look at it through a future lens. So kind of what would what would this mean in however many years time and the the big question that I asked myself was would I regret it if I didn't do this and the kind of the answer to that was a resounding yes so it was it was it was that question was the main one that made me go I have to do it I have to say yes to it and would you consider it still a risk if a similar opportunity approached you now I still think it was a risk but I'd be a lot more comfortable and confident in taking it again. I think if it, if it came, if the opportunity came around again, I'd feel a lot better about it because I think knowing I've kind of built a good network around me and thinking about the issues or the, the cons that I had doing it previously, I would be much more confident now that I would be able to get another job at the end of it. And I would still count it as a risk, but I would be a lot more at ease making that taking that risk and is there anything that you'd do differently probably would try not to agonize over it so much i think (laughs) i did a lot of um a lot of going back and forth a lot of worrying about the decision um and i think if i if i were if i were to do all over again i think i'd 
probably try and be a bit calmer in making that decision and try and be more confident and more knowing of my abilities whilst I, I can kind of remember thinking when I was making that decision going but the right choice for me is it could I do the role like with the whole kind of imposter syndrome thing coming up of like why have they chosen me and what was it about me that made them want me in that role and I think now if I were to do it differently I kind of wouldn't wouldn't have those thoughts and would have more more confidence in my in my kind of skills and experience and and I would enjoy the fact that I got the role as well rather than going immediately to to worry and and frantic and having to make this big life decision and I'd actually kind of sit and, and enjoy going hey I must have come across well in the interview or I must have made a good impression and obviously my ability and my experience and my background is something that they saw something in. So this episode, obviously, we are only talking to women in sport about risk-taking. Do you think it's harder to be a woman in any industry, but sport in particular, to take risks? I do, yes. So I think it, it kind of links back to that kind of imposter syndrome and potentially not having that confidence and that comfort in your abilities to take the risk. Whereas I think for men, they innately have that confidence that they can just step into something regardless I mean the stats on even the um, applying for a job so like obviously women wait till they have 100% of the qualifications but I think for a man it's at least 60 to 80% that they'll apply for so I think as women we don't go for things or we don't take risks because we think about it more and we we weigh things up a little bit more whereas I think if if we were to just take the risks then we would we would find that it would be easier and a lot more a lot more comfortable and a lot more definite that we have the ability to do the things that we might hesitate over or might question whether we can do before taking the plunge. And why do you think that is? Why do you think we ha- we feel like we have so many more barriers to take risks and jump into things? Do you think it's a wider cultural thing? Do you think our industry working in sport is particularly challenging? There is some sides of sports that I found particularly in, in kind of the hospitality side that the majority of people that I've worked with have been women, whereas I think there are a lot of sectors of sport that have been historically male dominated and that now that there are more and more women coming through into them it's starting off that role model and starting off the if you see it you can do it side of it and and I think it probably is a very historical and a very cultural part of it but I think those first people those first women to do it can open the doors massively for for everyone else that kind of thinks oh I've, I've got the skills and I've got the ability to do it but I've never seen anyone else do it so almost I don't want to be that first person whereas there are those women that go no actually I want to be that first person I want to be that person that others can look up to and, and admire and can follow in their footsteps I think it takes that one person to open those doors for everyone else Obviously, historically, it's not been necessarily been that that one person, but over the last seven, eight years, those women in sport have been coming through 
a lot stronger and a lot more no actually I'm here I'm in this industry I'm not going to take the comments and the little jabs I'm actually I'm good at what I do and I'm going to do it and I'm going to show other people that they can do it too. I also think that it's kind of changing this conversation slightly and saying it's not so much a risk as it is an opportunity. That's a mindset. It's getting the balance between that, as I said, that that scary and exciting and kind of tipping it more towards the exciting and, and making it seem like rather than saying, oh, this will be really difficult, say, oh, it will be a challenge and a challenge that I can step up to. A challenge has a solution, has an option to do something, whereas difficult just sounds negative and if you sort of push it said rather than calling it a risk or an opportunity rather than calling it a difficulty call it a challenge and it's changing the narrative from negative to the positive and then kind of it, it makes everything seem a bit more fun a bit more exciting rather than scary yeah I completely agree I always say think in a woman's career we are faced with more I guess with more risks, like, for example, our industry that we're in, it is male dominated. And so navigating within that can feel daunting and risky. Also, you know, even deciding whether you're going to have a family. I know a lot of women consider that a huge risk. Yeah, that's a cultural and historical thing that the woman stays at home and and sort of raises the child. The man is kind of that breadwinner and gets to go to work and gets to take those opportunities. But I think that narrative again is changing slowly but it is changing a little bit more whereas where yes kind of if you talk about having having children things like that the woman does do a lot of the most of the work because obviously they are carrying the child they're growing the child so they've got that large space of time where they might not have the ability to go to work because of whatever might be happening but the narrative is changing the People are coming back quite quickly from pregnancy and people are playing sport not that long after they've had children. And the hope is that one day it won't be seen as a big deal, that it will just be seen as, oh, yeah, they took some time off to have a child and now they're back. That's a completely normal thing to do. What advice would you give to other women in a similar situation or facing a what they feel like is a big life career decision? What advice would you give them? I'll come back to my one big question is ask yourself if you'd regret it if you didn't do it. Think of it as an opportunity. Think of it as something fun and exciting that you've got the opportunity to make this decision for. And knowing that even if you're not certain about doing it if it if it's something that excites you and if it's something that you think in two five ten years time that you'd look back and you'd go I should have taken that step I should have taken that job I should have taken that promotion I should have changed industries I should have done whatever the decision is I think knowing if you think of it in terms of your future and of of your growth and asking yourself if, if you regret not taking the opportunity it almost makes you realise that you want it more than you thought you did. That's what happened with me. I kind of envisioned not taking the opportunity and realised that I had that sort of sinking feeling of that's the wrong choice. And then even at that early stage of just getting the offering, I wanted it more than I thought I did. My advice would be ask yourself if you'd regret it or see yourself in how many years' time and whether it's the right choice to turn it down or whether it's the right choice to take that step and I think nine times out of ten it'll probably be 
the right choice to take that step. And even I think even if things don't work out, it's not necessarily the end of the world. It's that kind of whole even catastrophize it a little bit. What's the worst thing that could happen? You have to go back to your old job. You have to find another job. It's knowing that the worst thing that could happen isn't actually that bad. So think about how much you you would value that opportunity and value that that decision okay, for your for your future and for, for the growth of your of the career. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that brings us to the end of, of our chat. Thank you so much for joining me, Katie. It's been great to have you on. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been, it's been great fun. So when we launched New Era, the initial idea was to create career development program for women in the industry. And Sahar Shah, who works in product design at Areto Labs, was one of the 12 selected to take part in the class of 22. She's at a slightly different place in her career to Katie. So Eleanor, when you spoke to her, what did she take away from the word risk? What did that mean to her? So as we mentioned earlier, risks are perceived in so many different ways. And I think she did find it quite hard to find the words to explain what a risk was. But definitely at what point you are in your career influences that as well. Um, And Sahaj actually didn't start off in the sports industry. She joined that later on. It was always a dream of hers, but she didn't know what way to do that. She already had a job previously. So the main issue she found, the main thing she perceived as a risk was leaving everything behind what she's worked for for so long to enter a new field with new people. So I think that's something a lot of our listeners will probably relate to because many people haven't found what their true passion is, what they want to do professionally. So there is a lot of risk there when you leave something you've worked for so hard and you are doing well in it. You are successful, but you're still trying to, you're on that quest of finding what's better for you. So yeah, without further ado, I think it would be great to hear her experience and what a risk means to her in that sense. I guess to me, risk is a decision to do something that doesn't necessarily fit with the status quo. It doesn't fit into, you know, the things that you may be familiar with in the day to day. I don't think it's ever a reckless decision, especially in the career space that you always weigh the pros and cons um, and think things through. So risk may have a negative connotation to it, I think, in, in our regular vocabulary, but in the career space, it just, yeah, means taking decisions that are out of your comfort zone that, you know, you don't do every day. So thinking back on the times that you might have taken a risk, is there a specific time you can pinpoint and say that was like a huge risk you took? Yes, absolutely. There are so many that come to mind, but the biggest one is switching industries, but also roles. So previously to working at Areto, I worked in business development with creative agencies and switching from that to product design is a massive change again to job title and industry. And at the time, you know, I was trying to figure out what would be the next step in my career. You know, I'd worked with really cool agencies and I thought, okay, maybe the next step would be working in creative strategy still within the agency space. So I went out and I applied to a bunch of really cool ones that I looked up to. And I spoke with their hiring managers and their strategy directors. And this was at the very beginning 
uh, or just before the pandemic started, the world was going through this massive shift. Uh, they weren't able to hire a lot of junior talent uh, like they did the year previously. And so I was kind of in this pickle and I didn't know how to break through in the industry. And I was really fortunate to have a sort of mentor type figure who was a creative strategy director at one of the agencies that I really wanted to break into. And he actually suggested because of that shift in the industry to go towards UX and product design. It required a similar skill set, but that industry, because of the pandemic was, you know, booming and had a lot of investment, a lot more growth opportunities. That felt like a massive risk to me. <laughs> I was absolutely terrified. You know, it felt like I was giving up everything I'd ever worked for until then. My education was in a totally different field. You know, I did a master's in diplomacy and then my work experience was also in a different field you know, employing some skills from diplomacy, but, you know, in business development for creative agencies, totally different. And yes, I had a lot of transferable skills that I later realized were really valuable and helped a lot, but I didn't know that at the time. I was absolutely terrified and I didn't know if the decision I was making was the right thing or if that next decision would also be kind of starting from scratch. So the best thing I figured I could do at the time was learn the ropes as best as I could. I learned as much as I could from online tutorials. I practiced eight to 10 hours a day, got myself a couple of mentors who could give me feedback and guidance and that positive reassurance <laughs> that you need when you have those moments of self-doubt. I think risk entails a lot of preparation and a, a lot of thinking that goes into it to make sure it's not as reckless as it may seem on the surface level. Yeah, no, I 100% sort of get you. And I know risk is a very complicated thing to explain. There are so many dimensions to it. Um, so I can completely understand your long answer around that. It's sometimes really hard to even explain to ourselves what the risk was, because probably when you look at it now, it might not seem the same way. So you mentioned earlier that you did want to get into this industry, like the sports sector and sort of what you're doing now. So apart from the stress of not being able to actually think of, you know, do I have the right skill set to do this job? Will I have the right people around me? Obviously, you were in a different space before, and that's just your comfort zone, I guess. So can you think of like why this was actually a risk? Because it sounds like you were ticking all the boxes you kind of wanted and you did a lot of right moves to get into that place. So you did want it for sure. So what was the main risk that, you know, you perceive it as a risk today? Switching industries, going from something that I know quite well to something that I, you know, may not have had as thorough experience in, as thorough of an education in, you know, usually the traditional way to get into a certain career is to have the education in it. And then, you know, you have an internship in that field and, and then you start building your connections in that field. And with sport, I didn't have any of that. It was a totally new space from all of the traditional verticals that were supposed to have completely ticked off already when we entered our career, at least in the traditional way of thinking. And yeah, I didn't have that. So it did feel like I was starting from scratch after I had already started from scratch before, which is a scary feeling. <laughs> that absolutely is, I think, one of the biggest risks I've taken, but uh, so rewarding uh, because then, you know, you, you do look back and realize, oh, I did have those transferable skills and actually maybe I wasn't starting from scratch, but it definitely doesn't feel like that at the time. Mm -hmm. So do you think you would still perceive the same thing as a risk, like changing 
industry or changing job title or working with new people, do you still feel that, you know, you've already done this? Is it still a risk for you? Uh, I think if I were looking to ever make a move or looking back on that, the reason we, I personally choose to make a move every time is because there's an opportunity to learn something new and to do something that I haven't done before. That's what's really exciting to, to grow in a new way. So to make a move for me, there will always be that level of risk entailed. I don't think that's, uh, that's avoidable. Um, but I do think that yes, if there were enough ways that I would be able to grow in that future role, then I would a hundred percent, I don't know for sure if I would make the move, but I would, I'm a visual thinker and a visual analyzer. And so I would probably have, you know, a written pro and cons list and a, and a drawn out kind of flow diagram of, okay, if I take this step, here are all the possible, you know, positive things that could happen. Here are the negatives. If this, then that. And I think that really helps me to kind of get my bearings straight and understand, okay, is this a risk I'm willing to take? So it seems like you plan out this as a whole strategy when you do it. So do you think you do anything differently? Like you already mentioned some things you've done, but is there anything you would do differently? Um, No, I'm honestly quite happy with the way things have turned out. I had and still have, you know, a couple of people in the industry within the tech space that I lean on for support. Uh, for feedback on the hard skills, but also for feedback on the soft skills and that positive reassurance. Um, And then I think I felt like I was lacking a little bit in the sports space for that mentorship, but in applying for, you know, the new era program and things like that, that's really, really helped as well. So with all of that in mind, I think I've ticked all the boxes in terms of At least I feel like I have in terms of uh, making me feel like I have enough support in taking these risks and to keep going with the risks. That's amazing. So we kind of discussed in our new Era Connect uh, session last week where we covered stuff like imposter syndrome and like people feeling that sense of not being able to do something because like internally they feel they don't have the ability to do so. You know, it's that sense of not having enough skills, enough confidence in taking up something. I think a lot of people seek some advice as to how to do something. And I don't know if you have one piece of advice for people when they're looking to take whatever risk means to them. I can tell you what advice I would give my my past self. One thing I would tell myself in the past is if you're thinking of switching into a different role or a different industry, Make sure you are doing your homework and reaching out to people who are already in that role or already in that industry. And, you know, don't shy away from asking for a coffee meeting and asking them what their role is like, uh, what advice they would have for someone, for someone like me who's looking to break into that space, you know, any positive things or even things to keep in mind and think about before making that decision. And another piece of advice is that switching into a different industry is always going to be scary and there's no going around that. And so, yeah, finding those, those mentors uh, and preparing yourself, you know, with those hard skills that you need, whether it's through online tutorials or boot camp or whatever it is, is also really important. The third thing that for me would be quite important is, um, you know, if you're worried about, giving up everything that you've worked for. And if you feel like you're starting from scratch again, you know, it may not feel like it at the time, but it's usually not the case. The part of you that you were kind of building up before that will always be there, you know, through the soft skills and even the hard skills, like 
I have a master's in diplomacy. I was kind of nervous that I wouldn't be able to to use that working in sport or working in tech. But actually, I've ended up somehow finding a role that's a perfect blend <laughs> of that, as well as you know, creative design, as well as you know, making a positive impact in the sports space. So, uh, yeah, those would be my my three pieces of advice that I would give at least my past self. Oh, those are all、uh, great pieces of advice, and I think. A lot of them, like reflecting on my times where I felt I've had to take a risk or been stressed about something, I think it's always like reassuring yourself because you are trying to do something that is meaningful to you, and obviously you've researched into it because you want it. And you know your point that you made about reaching out to people. I think we all think about it, but not many of us actually do it or do it properly, at least. So I would also say that that is a huge thing, and. You'd be surprised how many people out there are willing to help and give up their time to give you advice, send you opportunities. You'd be surprised. So yeah, I 100% resonate with your pieces of advice there. If you had one question to ask any other woman in sort of the sports industry, in terms of like advice on taking risks, what would you have to ask them? I would probably ask them, what. The biggest risk you've taken in your career, and have you ever regretted one of those big risks? Because personally, I don't think I have regretted it. But I'm curious to know, you know, if people regret it and why, and if that comes down to maybe a lack of preparation at the time, or if it genuinely just wasn't the right decision,、um, and how we can prep. Because that regret is something that we all live in fear of, and having the validation maybe that they. They didn't ever feel that regret, and it's someone you really look up to. I think that can have a a big impact on our own confidence when making risks or taking risks. Yeah, I think that's a great question because usually we we hear of like the the glamorous stories of how everything went to plan. So it it would be great to hear something that didn't go as expected and how sort of they dealt with that. Totally, totally. I would love, I would love to, and I kind of feel like I have a bit of a. An advantage at the moment through the New Era mentorship program because it does give me the space to ask these incredible women those questions.、Um, we're really happy that you feel that way, and obviously we do encourage sort of women to sign up and be a part of that because we are trying to, you know, grow this program and have this open conversation. So yeah, that's great that you feel that way. I would like to thank you very much for all your tips and sharing insight into sort of all the the risks you've taken. I hope every next risk in your career is as successful. So yeah, thank you very, very much for being with us and sharing all these tips to our listeners. Thanks for having me. Ever the professionals here at Sportsbro, KP has just come straight into this recording from speaking to Gabrielle Gedge, ATP Media's Chief Commercial Officer and member of the New Era Steering Group. Yeah, so Gabrielle is just fantastic. She's been in the industry for about twenty-five years, I believe, and as you say, is currently Chief Commercial Officer at ATP Media. She has extensive experience working for the likes of IMG and Fox Sports, and. Very interestingly, self-admittedly, says she was quite risk adverse. So I kicked things off by asking her what the word risk meant to her,、um, and she spoke about a huge risk that she took early on in her career with very big financial implications, and how it all started with a handshake over dinner with the whole family there. So we'll dive straight into that and hear from her herself. Huh. At this point, I probably need to admit to the fact that as a person, I am extraordinarily risk-averse, which probably doesn't feed very well into the theme of this discussion. 
I would probably say that I am good at taking calculated risks. And in the industry we live in, um, we all have to take some, um, probably more often than, than we would like to, even people as risk averse as I am, is about maximizing opportunities, but being aware that it may also go the other way and being prepared to deal with the consequences when it does. Absolutely. So that leads very nicely into asking you what your biggest career risk is so far, would you say? I didn't have to think very long about the story that I will share with you today. It is by far the biggest risk I have ever undertaken in my career. And it was so much more important to me because it was a bit very early in my career. Um, I was working at IMG and working for an agency um, brings risk on a daily basis because what you have to do is buy assets well and sell them for more money than you bought them for. So that's part of the daily routine of working for an agency. But sometimes the risk that you have to take are, are sizable. And the one I'm going to share with you today was absolutely massive. I was very young. I was under 30. I had been with IMG for only a few years. And I have decided to explore the opportunity of buying some very expensive, very meaningful football rights for a specific region in the world that um, could bring enormous rewards, but also not work out all that well. And the story is, is very, very sweet because the way I have secured a buyer for rights I didn't have was in an environment that was anything but your typical boardroom discussion. We were sitting with the prospective buyer, which was a very, very big regional, leading regional channel. We were sitting with the people that owned the channel in Cannes, in a restaurant. And the whole family was there. Um, the grandfather, the grandmother, the owner, the children, the advisors, the cousins. Um, and I managed to get a financial commitment from them based on a handshake. And we're talking about millions and tens of millions of, of dollars. And we shook hands and I barely understood what had happened. And don't forget, I didn't have the rights I just sold. And I went back to the office in London and I shared with my uh, managing director the, the amazing thing I just did. But of course, the key element that was missing was us getting the rights I just sold. And that happened in a very formal situation, which was the exact opposite of how you know it all started. In, a, in an auction process where... I had to convince my managing director to risk significant amounts of money, and I mean significant at that point in time, to commit to, to buy rights that I sold on a handshake. I have to give credit to this person who unfortunately is no longer with us for trusting this young girl that barely knew what she was doing. I was just going by instinct and risking what could have potentially pulled the company down. So he supported my crazy idea all the way and committed 
a significant amount of company money to buy these rights, and we succeeded in doing so. And the margin that was created was enormous. However, at this point, we came to realize that the rights we sold contained a little bit more than uh, what we just acquired. So we had to go back to somebody else who had the rights that were missing for the whole transaction to be successful and do another purchase to complete the loop. And at that point, the missing rights, the person we had to buy from, became fully aware of the pickle we were in. So it was a really, really tricky negotiation. In the end, I must say, and I believe that to this day, the margin that was realized in this single transaction probably remained unbeaten for IMG, and it all worked out well. But the period in between buying, committing to rights that we couldn't sell at a cost that was enormous was beyond the level of stress I would like to experience again in my career. Wow. Well, I think the most obvious question to start with is what made you think of that in the first place? <laughs> um, I'm very good at identifying opportunities. And uh, this was a unique opportunity at this point in time that was based on trusting the people we were working with and having their trust too. I think that's terribly important in all our careers to have respect, to have trust. And because I was young, you know, those were the overriding instinct that I was governed by. Uh, now, you know, I'm probably much more rational than that. But, you know, identify the opportunity and most importantly, had the support, the corporate support to see it through. And that support, you know, was all the way, even when it was all very shaky. Um, so it's also about, you know, doing things that you know people around you will will support you with. So again, it's all about trust and respect, coming back to those two words. Absolutely. So you said you managed to get these first buyers in a restaurant with the whole family there and did it by a handshake. How did that process happen in the first place? <laughs> The people that we were dealing with come from a culture where a lot is shared over meals and if a family is present that gives an element of intimacy that builds that trust that's ever so important in discussions like that. Um, and it was really a case of me saying, I have an idea. And them saying, well, we are in Cairns with the family at the moment, come down. And then turning uh, turning up at this restaurant and having a wonderful time with the whole family, and you know putting forward a suggestion that resonated. Don't forget, we're talking many many years ago as well. You know, the world we live in was somewhat different, and the way these transactions happen now is totally different and and much more rational. Absolutely. So if a similar situation arose now, I know you said you'd probably be a bit more rational about it now. Would you still consider it a risk? Would you do anything differently? You've kind of already touched upon it, but still the question remains, I guess. 
ever take a risk like this again? Never. Uh, <laughs> never. I would secure, you know, my buyer in writing in a long form contract, have the payment schedule ready, and only then would I go and buy those rights. And that's, I think, you know, the way the industry has evolved. Taking risks is no longer palatable and can cost you dearly. So this was really an extraordinary situation in the past where these things were still possible. I don't think they are now. So a bit less of, well, maybe a bit less of a personal question, perhaps, but at the same time, maybe from your personal experience, do you think it's harder for women in the sports industry to take risks and maybe put themselves out there compared to our male counterparts? And I I say that with the context of the sports industry, but it could be reflective of any industry, really. And I know as well that you've lived in quite a few different countries. So what's the difference there as well? Very interesting question. In my early days at IMG, and for a period of time, I was looking after the the region of the Middle East, which you could say probably is less accustomed to having female executives to deal with. And yet I found being a female in this environment a challenge, for sure, but always an advantage because we own an emotional intelligence that many of our male colleagues don't have. And I think that's a very important part of how we add value to any such situations. I think um, in leadership, in decision-making, in dealing with colleagues and partners, Emotional intelligence gives a distinct advantage, and I always felt that it helped me in my career. Of course, as a female, especially in the the early days, you know, in some correspondence before I met people, I was steadfastly referred to as Mr. They just, some people couldn't bring themselves to acknowledge that I was not a Mr. But as soon as you start developing relationships and people understand who you are, those barriers are are quickly removed or at least that's my experience absolutely and did you find that in different countries your suggestions or risk takings were perceived differently were they more accepted in some places rather than others or has that just come with your experience and like as you say growing these relationships I would say that it's definitely coming down to relationships again And the word that I already mentioned a few times um, today, and that is trust. It's all about being trusted by your partners and your counterparts. And once you are, it doesn't matter what gender you are. Once you develop that close connection and people know that they can trust you, things do happen. Have you had women paved the way almost for you or if you had to do that yourself and how have you found that? When I started in in sports marketing um, and for many years I remained the only female in the room and it's more a case of me um, now supporting younger colleagues and paving the way for them because there was no other female to do that for me at that time and we are talking more than 25 years ago. However, the absence of a female lead 
you know, if you can find a, a male that's willing to support you and champion you, you know, the end result becomes one of the same. And I'm trying to give back for the absence of strong female leads in my early days by offering to be that for others. And that's also part of the, the reason why I'm so happy to be part of the New Era programme, which is a fantastic programme that you guys have instigated and you should be very proud of yourselves. Absolutely. Well, we're thrilled that you're part of the steering group, that's for sure. So final question, actually, Gabrielle, is do you have any advice for others who are perhaps being faced with a big decision or even what some may consider a smaller risk, but it's still something that they find difficult to weigh up and maybe take? What advice do you have for those women? I am a great believer in my instinct. And if your instinct proves to be right most of the time, then follow it. Don't be afraid. Don't see the negatives and trust that you can do what your gut is telling you you can because you can. Absolutely. Lovely one to end on, I think. Um, so thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been lovely to have a chat with you today and I wish you all the best with the rest of the tour. Thank you so much, Katie. I really appreciate it today and um, good luck. So we've heard some great stories, some even better advice, um, but I would love to get your insight into some takeaways you've had from these sessions and if there's any piece of advice you'd share. So maybe I'm not sure if you've got any last words of wisdom you'd like to share with our listeners. I'd say my biggest piece of advice and something that I'm trying to tell myself is to start seeing risks as opportunities. So risk comes with a lot of negative connotations. And as soon as you kind of extract those and see it as a opportunity, see the positives, uh, see the potential, I think it's a lot easier to jump in and just go for it. I thought Katie's answer was great in that if you know you're going to regret not doing it, then you have to because the reward will really outweigh the possible risk, which I found really motivating. Great. And I think to my question that I asked Sahaj regarding sort of what would be her one question she'd ask some other woman in the industry, I think she had that fear of what if things don't go according to plan. And I think that's always a big fear we all have. And that's what makes it a risk at the end of the day. But as you said, there's always something positive, And I think there's a lot of learning to do through anything that might, you know, not go according to plan. But then again, I think the, the main advice Sahaj had was to try and, and plan things and write your list of pros and cons. You know, there's always people out there to help you. You know, we sometimes never realize how many people are there willing to give up some time, willing to send you a job opportunity, willing to just give you, you know, a piece of advice like we are now. And I think our new era community is so good at doing that. So I would highly recommend for anyone listening to this to join the community if they're not but Katie I'm not sure from your end if what was your main takeaway from the discussion you had yeah absolutely so Gabrielle touched upon trusting your instinct and I couldn't really agree more I think it's so important to listen to what you're telling yourself as subconsciously that's coming from the knowledge that you already have I would take it one step further and it's what 
you both have already mentioned and touched upon is just to like weigh up the options and be considered about what you are doing like yes take that risk but be aware of the worst case scenario and how that could be prevented or potentially argued against from someone else externally but at the same time if you're truly passionate about the risk or decision you're making probably go as far to say it's worth it regardless of the outcome because you're doing what you truly believe in in some cases definitely not all as well and it's something that I try and live by probably shouldn't say that on air with the the bosses listening in but it's definitely much easier to beg for forgiveness than ask for permission sometimes so similar to what Millie you said about risk has such a negative connotation I think it needs to be seen more as an opportunity instead and that's probably again some advice that I need to take more myself Well, that has been very insightful and I hope all our listeners have been taking notes and are feeling empowered to take their next big risk, whether that be personally or professionally. So yeah, thank you all very, very much for listening and stay tuned for the next exciting things that come through our New Era program. Thanks, Katie. Thanks, Millie, for joining us and chat to you all soon. Thank you.